Welcome to Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chapper, and today we're going to be talking with Ben Schroeder, a climate enablement manager with Climate Field View, about the history of ag tech. Let's jump right into it. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Well, Clint, thanks for having me this morning. Well, how about you, you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So yeah, um, so I've worked for Climate Field View for three years, um, moved to this role from an ASGRA to CALB FSR role um, up in North Dakota, um, celebrated 10 years with the company here just recently. Prior to that, I worked retail in Western North Dakota, and um, I'm originally from a grain and vegetable farm in Northwest Ohio. Oh, nice, nice. Where, where, are, you, where are you sitting at today? Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I work with our uh, dealers and growers in Western Minnesota. Gotcha, gotcha. So you got a pretty good, uh, good sized territory then to cover. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, I tell you what, I thought it would be fun if you and I have a conversation around just the history of ag tech. You know, uh, you're you're working in this technology space a lot. Uh, you've seen a lot of things come through. I thought it'd be fun to just kind of kick back and and talk about some of the past. Yeah. What, uh, what, what what do you think, like when you think of ag tech history, where's your mind go? So, you know, I, I define ag tech history as anything that's electronic, either built for farmers or that farmers use a lot of. So think of, you know, the touchscreen controller in your tractor. Um, think of an app that you use on your phone. Think of the two-way radio, you know, that you have in your combine. Um, I think of I think of things like that, and I think of how valuable and how much time that saves us today, and how much insight it gives us that we never that we've never had before. Well, when would you say that ag tech, in your opinion, kind of hit the scene, or or you started to start seeing ag tech at least start being either discussed or start rolling into cabs? I would say you know the early 1980s, Clint, um, the first thing I can think of were those spray controllers that went into sprayers. You know, prior to that, you just had a pressure valve and a little, or a pressure gauge, a little valve you adjusted to get your pressure right and just kept track of your acres per sprayer fill. And to be able to just type in an application rate into your controller and let it do all the work for you is the, is the, really, I think is the start. And you know, our, you know, we all recognized how useful, how powerful that was, and lots of things came out of that concept. You know, I, I even think, Ben, you know, I think back of like uh, planter monitors, right? I mm -hmm. mean, I, I know I've talked to, talked to my old man about this, which, uh, you know, in the past you were, you know, tying something around a, a shaft to make sure everything mm -hmm. was still yeah. spinning, right? That you could see behind you. And then uh, I remember, you know, you know, one of our, our first primary uh, population monitors, right? Of just really just tracking that population. And then now you look at where we are today with field view and, and uh, like a precision planting 2020 attached in there. Holy cow, the amount of information is insane. So yeah, Clint, you know, that monitor is a great example of, you know, something that was revolutionary. At the same time, we recognize that we need to be able to do so much more. Um, the first monitor that I can think of just had the flashing lights. Yep. Um, it told you if a seed was dropping. It saved you the time of, you know, getting out and digging behind the planter, you know, several times a day. It didn't tell you if a certain meter was planting right. It didn't tell you if you're planting the right population. Um, as good as it was, um, it really 
showed us how much more uh, we needed to be able to do. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was really, you know, your your population was really just an average. It wasn't showing population per row at that point yeah. in time, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Um, it just gave you a number um, and flashing lights. I remember the flashing lights. If they're flashing, that means seed was dropping, but everything else was still, you know, was still, you know, manual and still a lot of math done in your head. You know, with a lot of this technology comes, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of data management over the years, and I think uh, we probably take for granted now that you collect a, you know, you collect data and it just automatically shoots up to the cloud and that's it, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, your 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 stuff's there and you can access it. Where does your mind go when you start thinking about just where data transfer is coming from the past? So three and a half inch floppy drives, you know, they were those plastic <laughs> things with the little plastic disc with a little slider deal on them, um, putting those in a, uh, a fertilizer spreader to upload uh, uh, application maps, prescriptions. Um, dirt and fertilizer dust was just murder on them. Um, <sighs> very commonly to run a new one out to the field while the spreader sat and they had no, they had no storage. You needed to have several discs for a field. We advanced to the flash cards and then thumb drives and now live streaming, um, you know, where you can push new prescriptions out to a planter instantaneously. You wanna make a small change to a prescription, um, you can do that in a few minutes and be back to planting in just a, in just a few minutes. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about floppy drives, and I think uh, I think that's hilarious. You know, I've seen some like reports about you know today's kids. You know, they have the the save button is still the floppy disk, mm -hmm. but they have no clue what that means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. where where that icon actually <laughs> where, came from. <laughs> where does this go? Yeah, where does this disk go? And um, yeah, how many songs can I hold on it? Yeah, yeah, like half of one, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it was interesting. I just think back of. Uh, you know, back in school, um, I worked in the uh, in the computer department, and uh, all everybody's you know finals and their papers and thesis and everything else was all on three and a half inch floppies. Mm -hmm. uh, and you talk about uh, failure of these mm -hmm. discs, right? I mean, they were mm -hmm. not very reliable. And I remember, you know, uh, this uh, this gal comes walking in, and she's just in tears. Her entire thesis is saved on this, and you can't recover it, right? And it's like, that's like the only copy. And those are just like nightmare stories that I think of uh, when thinking about some of those old types of media. Yeah, um, I remember keeping, you know, two sets of discs and saving stuff on two discs, um, you know, for that very purpose, Clint. And I'm sure I lost some things along the way <laughs> and had to retype them, you know, late into the night. Well, you know, one of the other pieces, you know, as you start thinking, you know, you talked about like flash drives and, you know, some of those different cards. Uh, one of them that I remember, I think it was on one of our yield monitors in like the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And it took a card. And if I'm not mistaken, did the cards have like a battery in them that they had to had to hold memory? And then you had to have like a $400 reader to read these cards and plugged into your computer. I, I think that's right, Clint. And we got to remember, you know, as, as painful as that was, we had nothing before that. We had no. nothing. It's a very good example of, you know, um, you know, something that was so revolutionary and we recognized what it could do for us, do for us. At the same time, you know, wished it could do so much more. We're, you know, if you think back on some of this, what are your favorite 
you know, what what, what were your favorite uh, pieces of, of ag tech that you can think of back in the day? So I can think of two things, Clint. Um, first off is that, you know, that thing that was revolutionary but needed to prove, improve so much, and that was my dad's bag phone, right? You plug it in a <laughs> cigarette lighter in the pickup or in the combine. Um, it had no caller ID. It needed to be plugged in all the time, but it saved you the hassle of, you know, going home, running back to the house at lunchtime or whatever to make phone calls and listen to the answering machine. Um, obviously those bag phones uh, have improved a lot to what we have today. The first piece of technology that really, really worked that changed so much was uh, a sprayer uh, that we bought like in 2006. It was all OEM. So it was the same brand of sprayer, GPS console in the cab that um, that had section control. So it would mm. shut off boom sections and obviously had auto steer and how much more accurate that was and how much less fatigue you had at the end of the day. It, it turned the sprayer on and off for you, steered it, you know, going down the field. You know, it sounds so simple, um, but it was so profound when we got it and it just worked. You know, we got that and said, I don't know how much more we need, right? Um, it was that good. It was that good. And obviously that's that, you know, that technology has improved since then, but it was the first thing that I had access to that really, really just worked. It just worked. And I'm gonna always think back to the first time I hit that auto steer button on the sprayer and the front end jumped over and uh, what kind of a feeling that was, right? Knowing that the sprayer was gonna do its own job down the field. You know, one of my uh, one of my favorite. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add two in here. Uh, one of our first GPS collection devices was a uh, Compaq, uh, the, the brand Compaq, uh, the computer manufacturer, right? A handheld that slid into like a I think it was called like a Navman sleeve or something, and then it gave it GPS, right? I mean, this thing ended up you know becoming you know, like pretty pretty bulky and they made like otter boxes for these things and and all sorts of things but uh but yeah you know just just really uh i, I want to say those first handhelds were even a black and white screen maybe uh and you're going out there just trying to map out you know tile holes or soil samples or things of that nature in clint i think of you know um the work the people who developed that technology the work they did you know they were piecing different components together to make that, to make it work, right? It was not order the whole system from the dealer. It was buy this part, put it with that part. And then the people actually using it, you know, the patience they had, um, the patience they had to put up with the inevitable tech glitches that those setups had um, in those compact PDAs or laptops, like true laptops in the yep. cab from that era. Um, just the the work that went into just making that, make that happen. Yeah, the the ruggedized HPs. Do you remember those? Those were like like these mil spec uh, laptops, you know, that the farmers are are launching in and, and and throwing into their cabs, and that's what they're collecting on, right? That was kind of the era where guys would take photos of all the controllers they had in the cab that would cover the whole window. Um, you'd have a laptop for this, a dedicated GPS uh, console for that just to make it all work. Yeah. So so we talked about your favorite. What would be just some of your your least favorite nightmare, like thinking back going, thank goodness we don't have to have that technology anymore? 
So the HP ruggedized computers were awesome, but they were thousands of dollars, right? Oh. And not a, you know not every system had that. I think about soil testing in the late fall in the cold using just a regular a regular laptop um, plugged into a cigarette lighter on a four wheeler somehow. Um, the screen was dim in the sunlight. Um, <laughs> it, it would kick out. It would actually cut out when it got too cold. And you're working on that on that keyboard to you know log everything you're doing as you're doing your grit sampling. Um, it was just a terribly, terribly, um, it was just a terrible system that we had. And it was so nice when we went to, you know, touchscreen computers or tablets and iPads that we have now. You know, it, it is funny for those that haven't utilized uh, technology out in sunlight, screen quality is, is an absolute must. Uh, uh, me and me and uh, one of my good friends ran a uh, ran a soil sampling business, right? And that was one of our headaches was trying to find, uh, you know, especially if you have an open four wheeler with no cab, right? Uh, what is that piece of technology that you can use that you can still see in the sunlight, right? And uh, that's tough. The piece of technology we used, Clint, was a. Um a uh, old chemical box that could have two and a half gallon jugs that we <laughs> built yeah. into a built into a um, a sh shroud with a box and some duct tape. That was a technology we technology we used to make that work. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I look at uh, you know one of the other things that I that I think of on on just things that got us to where we are, but just the inaccuracies was terrible. And I think of I think it was Dad's first uh, yield monitor was literally a flow flap in the in the unload auger, right? And, uh, and of course, you can imagine the accuracy on this thing, right? Uh, but hey, it got us to it got us to a point that we got to the next level, right? And then you start getting your moisture sensors in there and your your pressure plates and all of that. But it was funny, it literally started with just a flap on the end of a end of an auger. In in Clint, as inaccurate as that was, it was still good enough to make farm decisions with, business decisions with, and customers would use that and be asking their provider, asking their dealer, you know, can you get me something better? And you know, industry recognized that farmers wanted that um, and built those things. Um, farmers were patient with the development of that technology, and you know that people in the industry who, who built those um, um, were very dogged, you know, in their, in their work to get us where we are today. We owe those guys a lot. You know, you've, you've had a lot of experience working in and around uh, retail as well. Um, how have you seen, you know, larger companies with, with a lot of different employees uh, be able to start adopting technology at a, at a fast pace? So, you know, what I see now, Clint, is um, uh, larger companies um, using fleet solutions. Um, and these are fleet solutions designed for agriculture. So, you know, every delivery truck, um, every applicator, um, you know, has its own, has its own GPS uh, receiver in it. So dispatch um, knows where all the equipment is, can do a better job of dispatching. They can send directions out to trucks, delivery trucks, and send prescriptions and work orders out to machines. Um, you're not uh, sending out paper tickets um, with machines. Truck drivers aren't getting lost. Um, that then ties in with their billing. And I talk with retailers who say, you know, they're shrink. You know, their, their billing is more accurate. 
they aren't losing fertilizer somewhere. Um, the machines, it can get more done because they aren't waiting um, for, for, for delivery. And that dispatching software, um, fleet software is what does that for them. Well, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, that let's say either a sprayer or a spreader sitting in the corner of a field waiting on a, a new floppy drive that, that, that burned out, right? And, uh, and, and that time, right, is, is incredibly expensive for, mm -hmm. for one of those machines to, to sit out there. And that's where I think all of the, the, this cloud transfer back and forth of, of just being able to, to send a file at the, at the touch of a button uh, has really just gained a ton of efficiencies within the overall industry. A fertilizer spreader sitting at the edge of the field waiting for something, you know, is losing hundreds of dollars a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's crazy. You know, when you start uh, start doing the math of something sitting there for <laughs> for an hour, right? Um, you know, as we start thinking about you know field view coming into the scene, um, and and really, I start thinking about just everything that. Uh, the, that you know the, the the functionality of our of our cab app and and uh, and everything else. H how have you seen that kind of start shifting the industry ever since FieldView came into into play? So the user friendliness of all this ag tech came later, right? And um, you know, for a very long time, it was the tech geeks were the only people who used it because you had to be so involved in what that system was. FieldView is one of the first products that worked on an iPad and iPhone. Um, it worked on a touch screen and the user interface was so intuitive that you know, any of us could be trained up on using some of the major um, functions, field reach reports. You could teach anybody, anybody to draw a field reach report in 15 seconds. And that just opened up um, the pool of people who will use that because it is so simple. Um, that and then the ability to visualize data all in one spot. You know, we accumulated data for, for, for decades that just sat on hard drives and floppy disks somewhere and, and wasn't used, um, not because we didn't want to utilize it for decision-making, but because there's just no good way to do it. And FieldView gave us that. You know, I've I seen that, uh, you know, even on our operation, you talk about just the, the utilization of data and, and it's not sitting on a floppy drive or it's, or it's not, you know, getting lost maybe, right? Uh, but having that to where all of that, you know, planting, application, harvest data is all collected in one spot and at just at your fingertips, right? Uh, Dad and I talk about all the time. It's uh, it's amazing to have that much data and analytics at your fingertips on your phone. Data is addictive. That's something we say a lot. Um, you get addicted to all that data that you have. So, what what are some of the most unique ways that you've seen uh, farmers implement uh, field view on their operations? Um, I've seen uh, farmers uh, drop pins uh, where their game cameras are um, out <laughs> in the woods. I've seen that. Um, I've seen them. I've also uh, seen them use the um, uh, satellite imagery to help with pre-harvest desiccation on crops. Um, up in North Dakota, it was spring wheat. And when you're scouting fields, you want to find the least mature, the greenest part of the field. Um, to decide on that time to spray. You don't want to spray when that greenest part of the field is not mature enough. And on a scouting image, the red, yellow, green, you know, that green really pops. The greenest part of the wheat field is the greenest part of the map. 
you can drive right to that part of the field and um, scout right there. You know, we say that, you know, a person walking across the field um, scouting can only see a very small percent, only put their eyes on a very small percent of that field. Um, the scouting, Im scouting imagery that FieldView has would direct you right to that piece of the field that you needed to see. Uh, yeah, that is, that, that's interesting, you know, that's something I, I, I probably would not have thought about using FieldView for. That's a great example of, um, you, you know, our dealers figuring that out for themselves. You know, um, FieldView is not built for that specific purpose. Um, our dealers recognized what it can do and, um, you know, started using it for that purpose. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about our, our dealer partners out there that uh, that are supporting FieldView as well. How have you seen that transition of of getting FieldView into into their you know their businesses and organizations uh, and and their support of of our platform? Um, keeping a close eye on new corn hybrids. Um, you know, our our dealers sell a lot of a lot of different hybrids in soybean varieties. And there's a lot of nuance in the agronomics of those. Um, with a new product, um, they haven't seen it in the field much, and they want to learn that product very quickly. Um, think about emergent scores, um, dry down, black layer. And growers who use FieldView, who have their accounts shared with their dealers, uh, make it so the dealer knows where those products are. And without tracking down the grower or looking for um, the um, you know, red flags in the field, just on their phone can bring those fields up, find those hybrids and drive to it and do that scouting that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. You know, one of, one of the ways that I've seen uh, our, uh, our applicator at home uh, utilize field view is, uh, is knowing exactly when dad's plant done planting a field, right? So if we have a, a need an application coming right in after planting a, you know, a, a post plant uh, application, uh, it, it's amazing because, you know, a, a lot of times time is of the essence, right, in, uh, in the springtime. Uh, and so it's really neat to, to see how they're utilizing it of instead of dad calling in after every field, uh, it's now, man, they can, they can open that up and they can see that field five is done, right? And that can be put on the list now. Remote view. Um, so you need seed brought out to the planter, um, you know, uh, whoever back at the shop can just bring it up, bring up remote view on their phone and um, drive right to where you are, you know, not near as much back and forth on the two-way radio. Man, if I had a nickel for every time I've talked about uh, remote view on this podcast, I probably could buy me a Starbucks coffee. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I got a couple other questions here uh, to, to ask you outside of the, uh, of the technology world. So we enjoy, you know, going into, going into planting season or going into harvest season, we enjoy to, uh, to ask our guests, what are their favorite cab snacks? Mountain Dew and Pop-Tarts, um, hands <sighs> down, hands down. I would fill, you know, my, my cooler, my lunch cooler with healthy food. I would put healthy food in my lunch cooler and then just fill it level full above that Mountain Dew and Pop-Tarts. Just work my way from top to bottom, right, Clint? And the apple and the uh, banana, you know, got put back in the refrigerator at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I, I, I like that strategy, though, right? You know, the intentions are there. That's, oh, that's, yeah. the, that's the important oh, yeah. part. Oh, yeah. You, you know, what I've found out here, Ben, the, the, the interesting part, whenever I talk about cab snacks, I have noticed that there are two different people in this world. 
either the salt direction or the or the sugar direction. So yeah. you're 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 hard in the I'm, in the sugar sugar I'm lane there. Sugar. I'm team sugar, Clay. <laughs> I'm 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 like hard in like the beef jerky area. That's like probably my favorite cab snack that's out there. So, well, the other thing too, uh, you've been making your m making the circuit around the showbiz circuit here, right? I mean, uh, you're 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 here on a on a podcast, but before this, weren't you uh, just like in front of a whole bunch of bunch of film cameras here uh, shooting uh, shooting an episode of the Farmer's Journey, right? I was, yes. Um, we or I went up there and helped Harmon with um, setting up some fields and field view, and especially uh, worked on script writing um, oh, in nice. field view, and then did some uh, equipment setup um, in the Cabo's tra planter tractor as well. So, so tell me about it. How how was that experience? Was that your first experience with a film crew? It was, Clint. The soft launch for my own reality show is going to be delayed for sure. <laughs> um, those guys worked so hard, you know, to really capture, you know, you know, the life of a farmer, right? You could really see how hard they worked at it, they were working at it, and how important they recognize how important it is, you know, to tell our customers a story. And I know season three um, of of the of the program will be the best one yet. Well, now you can officially go out there to imdb.com IMDb and create your profile, right? You know, so so you you, you can you can get out there and, and get get some credit. So I'll have my agent do that. <laughs> there we go. Well, hey, this is gonna take us to the lightning round of a this or that. So I'm gonna throw out two options for you and you and you you just Fire away. So whatever first one, uh, first one that you like here. So to start off with, auger wagon or grain cart? Grain cart. Well, that's all the time we have here, Ben. So thank you for uh, for joining. Uh, but uh, if you would have said auger wagon, I would have continued with the questions. But uh, that just stops me. So no, no, okay. One more, one, one, a couple more. How's that? Mountain or beach? Uh, whitewater rafting. Mountain. Oh, okay. Okay, nice, nice. Do you do you tend to do that uh, every year? Uh, not every year, um, as much as we can, though. Nice, nice. My uh, my version of whitewater rafting is floating in a boat down the Mississippi River. So that's uh, that's about as exciting as it gets. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> How about tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Tea. Okay. Iced tea. All right. And and the important one here. How about Apple or Android? Um, I am Team Android. Team uh, Android. Go back to the old tech days, Clint. Uh, my first mobile device was a Dell Axum PDA. Oh, um, yeah. Something about that big, and it was terrible. It was terrible, but I recognized what it could do me for me once they had it figured out. Um, but I was a little bit jaded by that, so I never got a BlackBerry, waited for a phone with a touch screen, and... Um, uh, the Android is available to me before the Apple um, iPhone is available to me. I went Android and I've been with that platform ever since. You know, it's hilarious. I had a Dell Axiom back in the day as well. And that was like, if I remember right, you had a compact flash card uh, on the on the top of it, which was kind of revolutionary for, for that PDA, if I remember right. There was a dock that docked to your computer that synced, um, that synced files. And if you were like me, you had your own little... Um, belt pouch for you. Oh, yeah. right on your belt. Oh man, man, you you and I were right there. We were we were rocking the same story there, man. Mm -hmm. How about uh, how about DOS or Windows? 
Um, definitely Windows. Um, <laughs> um, I never really used DOS. I was in school at that time, so we were Apple, and then got out of school, was straight to Windows. Um, I remember people standing in line to get Windows 95. Um, yep. Something that, again, looking back at it, sounds just crazy, right? But people would stand in line to get Windows in the 90s. We had a uh, dad was one of the first guys around that had a uh, Windows 3.1. This probably would have been, man, I mean, like right around 1990, 91, somewhere around there. Uh, and I remember going in to the DOS prompt and you could launch this game called, I want to say it was called Gorillas, where it was two gorillas that threw bananas at each other. And I remember playing that on on DOS and you had to know how to like launch this thing through the prompt. And I, I felt like I was like, you know, hacking something, getting into this game. Those games were awesome. They were awesome. <laughs> that and Oregon Trail, right? You surely played mm -hmm. that. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, I tell you what, man, this has been a, uh, a really fun uh, trip down memory lane and talking about, you know, really where, uh, where ag tech has come from, some of the ups and downs and things of that nature. But, uh, man, th thanks for coming on and joining us uh, here on Around the Farm. Clint, thanks for having me, um, and I can't wait to see what we'll what we'll have next. I think the future is exciting. All right, have a good one. Hey, a big thanks to Ben for uh, for taking us down memory lane there. That was a lot of fun. Also, thanks to you, the listener, for joining us here today. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and maybe share it with a friend or two as well. And as always, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View, and you can listen to this wherever you listen to your podcast at. And until next time, we'll see you around the farm.